Hi, my name is Shonak. Um, I'm the director of All That Beats and um, very happy to be here. जब हम पहली चील घर लाए मैं देर रात जागकर उसे घूरता था खूंखार रेप्टाइल लगती थी किसी और प्लेनेट से अपनी पूरी लाइफ इसको डिवोर कर दी है चश्मा ले गई मेरा उंगली को दिखा रही है मुझे तू मेरे पर आसान कर रही है क्या तो भाई अगर हम अंदर जाके लेटेंगे तो चीले हमें भी खाएंगे क्या जाके लेट के देख ले एक तरह की रिश्तेदारी है हम सब हवा की बिरादरी हैं जो जो चीजें सांस लेती हैं उनमें कोई फर्क नहीं दिखना चाहिए Welcome to the fourth season of Factual America. We're brought to you by Alamo Pictures, an Austin and London-based production company making documentaries about America for international audiences. I'm your host, Matthew Sherwood. Each week I watch a hit documentary and then talk with the filmmakers and their subjects. This week it is my supreme pleasure to welcome award-winning filmmaker Shonak Sen, director of All That Breathes. The film premiered at Sundance earlier this year, where it won the Grand Jury Prize in the World Cinema Documentary Competition. It also picked up the Golden Eye Award at this year's Cannes Film Festival. All That Breeze follows two brothers who run a bird hospital dedicated to rescuing injured black kites, a staple in the smoke-choked skies of New Delhi, where cows, rats, monkeys, frogs, and hogs struggle to survive amidst a worsening ecological as well as social environment. In the words of one of the Sundance jurors, this poetic film delivers an urgent political story while constructing a singular and loving portrait of protagonists resisting seemingly inevitable ecological disaster with humorous touches punctuated by unsentimental depiction of the animal kingdom. It is no wonder then that all that breathes is tipped to be in the running for an Oscar. Join me as we talk with Shonak about his efforts to bring his beautifully artistic and socially relevant film to the big screen. Shonak Sen, welcome to Factual America. How are things with you? I'm good. How are you? Thank you for having me on. 
Yeah, well, it's a pleasure to have you. Thank you for joining us here at Factual America. It's um, just to listeners and viewers have uh, heard and seen the intro, but just to remind you, we're here with Seanak Sen, director and producer of of All That Breathes, uh, premiered at Sundance, uh, won the Grand Jury Award, Golden Eye at Cannes. Uh, also had a thea- is having a theatrical release in the UK this month. It's October 2022. It's on the 14th, and I understand also a New York and LA releases later in October. And it's way far away, but I understand that you'll be um, it'll be streaming on HBO sometime in 2023. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so again, thank you so much for joining us. Um, Really looking forward to 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 talking to you about this uh, this lovely film, this beautiful film that you've made. Um, maybe you can uh, we can get started. You can because uh, most of our listeners will not have seen the film, I believe. So maybe you tell us what is all that breathes all about. Maybe you can give us a synopsis. Well, it's about at one very simple level. It's about this one bird called the black kite in the city of Delhi. Uh, and this family, uh, this Muslim family that looks after hundreds of black kites that are falling off the sky every single day. The um, current levels of pollution and a variety of other climate change related factors are such that the bigger birds in the city either get entangled in wires or get um, or collided to buildings or so on. Um, so at one level, it's about this one family that works out of this tiny, very claustrophobic, stifled kind of mm. basement and uh, takes care of, um, in the last 15 years, they've treated over 25,000 black guys. So that's one aspect of it. However, I mean, like I keep saying, it's not at all like a sweet film about nice people doing good things. Yeah. It's uh, a kind of philosophical on human relationships, you get a sense of the kind of social and political background of the city of Delhi. And in a way, we look at the toxicity of the air to also think of the, well, the toxicity on the ground between human beings and so on. So um, I think the best kind of logline of it is that it's a kind of philosophical examination of human non-human relationships in an extreme ecosystem like the city of Delhi through this one family's relationship with this bird called the black kite. Mm. And I think, well, I, I, I think that is the perfect uh, synopsis of what this film's about. Have, uh, since I've had the pleasure of uh, of seeing it, um, I mean, what? Maybe give us a little more detail in terms of what these these brothers are up against, and also, I mean, you know, at, at one level, as you say, there's this ecological element and how it affects wildlife, but what affects wildlife is also affecting humans too. And it's not just mm-hmm. phys- physical health, is it? I mean, what is it? What's mm-hmm. it like to live in Delhi? And 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 you know, what are the pressures and and everything that these people are are going through? Well, the thing is that uh, I think, in a way, this film um, it's only intuitively natural that this film came from somebody in Delhi. Um, I've lived in Delhi for the last many years, and for anybody who's lived. Um, in that city, your life is sort of constantly laminated by a pervasive grayness. You know, the sky is a kind of monochromatic, hazy, gray expanse. You're constantly breathing in air that's very obviously noxious. And the air itself is a kind of heavy, palpable, concrete kind of a entity. 
and um, the film also began with this one time when me and my uh, producer and friend aman man were uh, sat in a car in a traffic jam and we looked up and you know the black kites are these tiny black dots gliding in the sky and we had the distinct impression that one of them was sort of falling down to the ground and i was gripped by this figure of a bird that falls off a very polluted gray sky mm-hmm. and what happens to it so we started researching into what happens to i mean i literally googled what happens to birds that fall off the sky and i came across these uh, brothers and the remarkable work that they do where you know they're working out of a very tiny derelict kind of a industrial basement on one side of which there's this heavy metal cutting machines and on the other you have these magisterial birds being treated so it was just so inherently cinematic that that's how it started but living in delhi really is this you really feel like and when i met the brothers i realized that they sort of have the front row seats to the apocalypse but more than that it's like um everywhere if you live in the city of delhi you're conscious you're constantly conscious of what you're breathing in and as if the air conditioners of spaceship earth are beginning to go awry so that's the broader sensation yeah and why do these i mean as you say these the what these brothers are up against what i mean what what drives them their life is not easy yeah, but they're they're basically self-taught veterinarians you know they've they're they do amazing as you said they've treated what 20,000 over 20,000 birds over 15 years or so i mean they they've got other things they're obviously intelligent they could maybe do you know what 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 drives them to carry on with this um yes i mean i don't think their intelligence is a kind of um, binary opposite to what they do uh though, oh, no i don't mean it that um, way yeah <laughs> uh, and like all difficult questions i don't think there's any simple answer so the brothers themselves don't have any answer to give for it and i don't think it's possible for them to know because now at this point the entirety of their lives and their family and what they do is entirely singularly devoted to the cause of working with the birds but more than that i think um what i was drawn was that a lot of the environmental discourse especially in cinema and popular culture i sort of sometimes get a bit tired with because a lot of it is characterized by a kind of either a bleeding heart sentimentality or a kind of gloom and doom despair you know mm. instead i think you have to sort of emotionally move people and the brothers were refreshing to me because their kind of attitude of a kind of ray resilience they put their head down and get the job done and they're very unsentimental and often stoic so even though they have like i was saying the front row seat to the apocalypse they have this kind of a you know they they're unsentimental and their the birds are falling and the entirety of the bird fall of delhi comes into their tiny basement but they get on with it and that kind of a, a cruel optimism or a kind of elegant um stoicness to the obvious inevitability of, to the disaster that is coming i find very very interesting as a kind of emotional and philosophical position so that's how i first got drawn to them mm. and then at the same time you've alluded to this that uh, when you were talking about toxicity but uh there's also this backdrop of uh political turmoil and social violence which i gather you i mean that's you were already filming when some of these things happened uh that started happening weren't the so you weren't necessarily expecting to to capture these things but they are there and they're they're 
I wouldn't say up front and center, but they're they're part of the they're 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 part of the story, obviously. Sure, sure. Um, well, they're definitely not uh, front and center, and I think initially uh, we had begun um, with the expressed intention of making an ecological film, and uh, mm. well, you know, not a kind of frontally conventionally political film, and. Um, I think over time, what happened is that the city of Delhi was going through a lot of turbulence and tumult in the last um, two years, and they um, uh, basically it was at one point I didn't want to eschew entirely the um, uh, volatility of the streets outside, but at the same time the brothers themselves are not very um, political. I mean, I think they're political in a different way. They're interested in the politics of man and humans, uh, mm. humans and birth, but uh, that's a different kind of uh, politics, you know, not. the politics of identity or sectarian violence and so on right. so um um but you know in the background of the um city was just so pregnant with this kind of um um unruly uh, chaos that uh, an unrest that uh, it had to make its way in and the form that we sort of zeroed in on was of the leak that a character goes to the balcony and you hear the murmurations of a protesting crowd outside a character goes to um, watches a video of violence uh, on his cell phone and we just hear the audio and nothing mm. else mm. you know it's like so it's basically stuff like that it's um um where the real outside world sort of hemorrhages in so you sense the political instead of being told and i actually in hindsight prefer this sort of a thing where because i personally feel like if somebody pedantically kind of lectures you on what yeah. a certain political subject stands you're either preaching to the choir or you're anyway sort of um you know like not talking to the people that you want to talk to the point is films have to be trojan horses and you have to sneak things in and you yeah. have to get people to be moved emotionally and still understand the political uh, stuff that you know is happening so it's really about sensing the political through the aesthetic right right and i mean i think like you like you said i think there's one one of the brothers at one point says that's you know this is happening about a kilometer away right or or 2 kilometers yeah, away yeah. i think he says you know and right, it's like right. um which is kind of maybe that's a, not to take this too far but maybe in terms of uh sort of analogies i mean for most people isn't it always just it's always it, it, seldom are we in the middle of it all in a lot of times it's often it is just the street over the the neighborhood over the country, you know it's 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 kind of we are surrounded by this but we're not necessarily um you know it's 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 it maybe directly you know directly involved that you know in terms of the person trying to view this and and yeah i connection uh, i think sorry sorry go, go on, sorry no I no go ahead no i was just saying that i think there are different ways in which one can find entry points into a broader zeitgeist and one that is as um tempestuous as what's happening in south asia currently um and i think in uh, there are different ways you know you can adopt a more oblique or tangential kind of a perspective which also illuminates the particular social thread that you're interested in certain ways or you can take it on more frankly i personally prefer the more oblique kind of mm. style and of course things are happening like 3 kilometers away and it's like you're feeling there's a kind of neighborliness to all things political um and uh, volatile it's never as far as you think it is 
but uh, kind of uh, entering it through this kind of a uh, uh, perspective of somebody who's um not directly confronting it or uh, is in the thick of it but is affected by it and is uh, at the same time conscious of it and the city is on the boil behind and i find that with that a kind of interesting um way to snapshot a, a social milieu mm. okay i think well i think it's a very point and i think this is actually a very good opportunity for us to give our listeners a quick um early break. So we'll be right back with uh, Shanak Sen, director and producer of All That Breathes, premiered at Sundance in earlier this year, won the Grand Jury Award, won the Golden Eye at Can- the Cannes Film Festival. It's having its theatrical release in the UK on October 14th, and then later this month in New York and LA. And at some point in 2023, it'll be streaming on HBO. You're listening to Factual America. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Alamo Pictures to keep up to date with new releases or upcoming shows. Check out the show notes to learn more about the program, our guests, and the team behind the production. Now back to Factual America. Welcome back to Factual America. I'm here with award-winning director Sean Sen. His film is All That Breathes, uh, premiered at Sundance. It's having its theatrical release in the UK in a few days here in October 2022 uh, and in New York and LA later this month. Um, you did win, the, uh, did win the Golden Eye Award at Cannes, and it goes, uh, there's a quote from the jury. It says, goes to a film that in a world of destruction reminds us that every life matters and every small action matters. You can grab your camera, you can save a bird. You can hunt for some moments of stealing beauty. It matters. It's an inspirational journey and the observation of three Don Quixotes who may not save the world, but do save their world. What do you think of quotes like that? I love that quote. I love the term Don Quixotes. I also love the um, emphasis on micro gestures because at the end of the day, what's, you know, like I was earlier talking about the philosophical position towards climate change that I think the brothers embody. Uh, this thing that when you talk to them, they'll say that every every bird that flies out of their basement is a miracle, and it's really true. I mean, those you know, it's like they're they've done what they've done almost without any support for the last many many years. Mm. They're um, um, they're definitely not an affluent family by any stretch. Yeah. So for them to carry on, so like to soldier on and do what they're doing, um, it really matters in the sense that the fact that. Uh, a certain percentage of birds survive and uh, many of them fly off. Um, of course, if one sort of zooms out and says that in the broader scheme of things, what does it matter if a hundred birds survived in a month where 5,000 birds died? Or, you know, I, I mean, these are hypothetical yeah. numbers. Yeah. I'm just speaking yeah. hypothetically. But, but the point is that I think it matters, like micro gestures and micro need certain things to be life rafts to get by um, you know life is difficult it's difficult because of climate change it's difficult because the world is hostile and it's difficult emotionally so a kind of um, you know it's important to think of uh, the passage of time and the meaning of life in um, micro dosages and in that, what they do is that they provide, like to me, I see them as tiny paper boats or 
life rafts of and i feel like it really matters and the film is a kind of um articulation of that thing hmm. and did you ever expect to get such a reaction to your film i mean in your wildest imaginations because it's it's obviously done quite well i mean in the in my wildest imaginations um, i i thought i hoped that it would be uh, successful i mean uh, yeah, yeah. if i was to think imaginary wildly but mm-hmm. no i think this went beyond that because i was hoping for the film to be seen that was my main sort of mm-hmm. desire and ambition but this has now gone far beyond the, my desire matrix or anything that i had imagined yeah. uh, because uh, winning at uh, sundance and can what it does is that more than anything else it's not so much a question about me being happy about success it's more a question about the fact that the film now enters conversations and enters rooms that i just didn't think it would right. so it becomes part of a constituency that far outreaches what any of us had imagined yeah and do you think i mean do you think that's basically any filmmakers really when it comes down to it, you just want people to see it you're not thinking beyond that really when you when yes you make a i film. think that's the starting point no, i think that's the founding point for sure you really want to see it and especially because i'd made a film before this that i had gone to a few festivals but didn't really get uh, anywhere close to the kind of wide enough viewership that we were all hoping for so just seeing it it was enough currency for me but above and beyond, of course you also want people to like it or and not so much like it's not so much liking but for it to um, spark off some kind of conversation and right. Uh, right. you know and if people are going beyond that like it and uh, you know like at least like yesterday in the new york film festival we had a really uh, emphatic response and that was very meaningful you mm. know so those kinds of things really matter and what was that response yes that you had yesterday you know you have a lot of people somebody wrote on a piece of paper uh, saying that you can use the coenzymes of the birds poops to uh, help generate food for them and it said that uh, i gathered that this is a person who's a scientist or a researcher right. of some sort so from that to extremely emotionally um overwhelmed reactions or or to you know yeah. like um cooler kind of um uh, evaluations of the film's aesthetic and formal strategies or you know yeah. like there's a yeah. reception afterwards and it's like it feels like there's a kind of celebration of the world of the brothers and a very serious mm. engagement with the film's grammar uh and that that's all you can ask for what else like mm. you know it's not like we've made a kind of box office uh, uh you know it's not like we're yeah. you're expecting that kind of thing so this is the really the um uh, end of what we were looking for in terms of response so that that's this is totally fine yeah i mean you you were saying earlier that uh literally this is down to sitting in the car looking up in the uh in the gray skies and seeing the kites and thinking you're seeing one falling and uh or did see one fall and then you looked looked this up i mean how did this I mean, how did this film come about? Did you it, literally you did a Google and then you found Muhammad and Nadim, and then uh, you went and approached them? And is that that basically the the genesis of this? Yes, very much. I we literally Googled where do birds that follow the sky go, and then we um, found them. And once see a film is anyway like a free fall, right? Like, and it takes time and it takes. Uh, effort uh, and you don't know where it's going to land so it was that kind of a amorphous shape shifting kind of a free fall and 
we vaguely knew that we wanted to work on the triangulation of air birds and people mm. Mm. and afterwards the it takes on a kind of momentum of its own we didn't anticipate the social political threats to happen we didn't anticipate one of the brothers going off uh, to the us all the uh, emotional kind of tensions between the brothers themselves and none of that it, in the film like this also the animals themselves are always deliciously disregarded full of your designs right so there's nothing that you can really plan beforehand and um in um aggressive embrace of the unscriptedness of the world yeah yeah and that's uh, i mean that's that's well it's it's what verite fly on the wall stuff is isn't it you never know really what you're going to get at any any one time um do you i mean did you when you first i mean did you know instantly that those brothers were going to work as subjects? Because you could have, they could be doing wonderful work, but not work as subjects, right? Or wouldn't yeah, make, yeah. Know. So incidentally, the uh, the first ever set of characters that we met for the film were um, the brothers. So actually, yeah. I've never ever researched beyond the brothers for this film. So we met the brothers on the thirty first of December, twenty eighteen, mm-hmm. uh, on New Year's uh, Eve, and. Yeah. Uh, within a week from that we started the film with them we never met other characters no other research beyond these people so that's how it began i was certain i did not want to be a fly on the wall i don't think the film is really the classic frederick wiseman kind of observational no. fly on the wall yeah. sort of thing yeah nor is it i mean you know hudzok says that he's not a one uh, hudzok says that he's not so much a, a fly on the wall but a be that stings because he has that right. kind of a strong right. interventionist sort of thing i don't think we're anyway anywhere uh, if we are neither the fly nor the um, bee i think we're more like uh, earthworms um, wriggling sideways in the middle of yeah. that sex spectrum well i think that brings me up to an interesting point well i th- i found interesting uh because it isn't really uh, as you say it's not really fly on the wall because there's a lot of things like I, I, well, I guess what I'm getting to is uh, the the cinematography, and uh, you had three cinematographers. Was that was that the plan? That's not usual for. Uh, I mean, for was, uh, yeah, yeah, that's not usual, nor was it planned. Uh, I'd be a total mad person to uh, plan with three different DPs. But what mm-hmm. essentially happened is that people uh, look. You shot for two and a half, three years. Those are long periods of time, and yeah. it's very difficult to get one person to, you know. Uh, stay it through. So the two DPs are uh, this German DP called Ben Bernhard and the Indian DP Riju Das. Who um, it's with it's with Ben that we developed this kind of vocabulary of the long, languid uh, pans mm. and right. breakdowns and focus shifts and so on, where you know you see the natural world in this kind of uncut, uninterrupted, slow, flowy sense. And it's with him that we developed this kind of a poetic lyrical style, and also this poetic style of not just shooting animals, but also this poetic style of shooting the human beings. Um, mm. So it's with him that we developed it, and then that it evol- evolved further with uh, uh, Riju, where we were, as you know, in the film there's a panoply of animals like uh, kite, uh, rats, snails, right. horses, pigs. Um, and uh, all of those have also been shot in this the idea was to shoot it not like a 
regular nature dog or a wildlife dog, but right. make it cinematic. Yeah. And um, uh, we were with that kind of, uh, you know, we took our time. We wanted to shoot it like a proper high art film and not like a wildlife dog. So mm. uh, we committed ourselves to the visual grammar of it. Yeah. No, I think it's a very good point because it's not, you know, it's not your typical animal planner even. I mean, you know, people like even David Attenborough docs go for some, they are increasingly or for a long time try to go for something what they would call artistic, but it's nothing like what they would present, is it? I mean, it's it's very. Uh, I, I'm just that first scene. Um, just personally, I, I who got to who got the short straw and had to sit down and get down and dirty with the rats at the beginning, you know, to uh, to film all that. I mean, that's. Uh, but it's it's very uh, it's very poignant. You've got a, f- a lot of you've got a, a several uh, scenes interspersed with those kind of moments. I feel like um, uh, all of us wanted the short straw because all when you're shooting <laughs> animals and anything can happen, yeah. you're all trying to like you know get uh, your piece of the adventures shot by. Yeah. So uh, that the opening rat shot is like a four-minute-long shot where the camera just glides through uh, yeah. uh, hundreds of rats uh, with the traffic and the city in the background. Um, yeah, that was was shot over like many hours through nights. And, uh, you know, of course, at the end of it, like rats are scudding on top of our legs and all of that. But you sort of like, you know, shooting mode is a different kind of uh, your, it's like a fever dream of uh, where you're driven by different kinds of, uh, um, you know, you're not your usual self. There's a kind of transformative potential of when the shooting begins, where you're truly adventurous and your entire body and everything is in service of something quote-unquote greater um but yeah those are intense times but you know like uh, a film like this requires tons and tons of wrecking and wrecking and wrecking and because you're shooting animals but once you get a hang of it it's really um addictive shooting animals and i mean normally I don't ask questions like this and probably filmmakers hate these kind of questions but i mean who i mean who are your insp- who are your inspirations because i feel like you know yeah, there have been artistic docs, obviously, but uh, but it, it felt like this was going more for classic uh, uh, narratives, you know, in terms of a lot of the way the th- things were shot and filmed, and and even the uh, even the sound, you know. I, I think it's uh, was that. Were, did you have anything? Did, were you? Did you have any specific references in mind when you were do- making this film, or or? Or filming, or is it just kind of you had a you all had a vision for how you kind of saw this, and you did your did what I, you could to in you know c- capture that. I think um, references not so much in terms of I want to make a film which uh, plots its uh, narrative structure out in such and such way, but mm-hmm. more in the sense of um, an aesthetic loosely defined universe that was the filmography that we were looking mm. at and um, I'm actually I wonder like why you think that filmmakers don't want to because I love speaking about my mm. heroes and references and mm. all of that and I mean so much of filmmaking is an inherently citational act mm. and that's the beauty of it you know it's all very incestuous and it ought to be so um, I love talking about like people who've uh, uh, been important to me. For instance, in this film, um, I, I think three people are worth mentioning. Four. 
uh, one is that cinematographically i was very interested in the camera style of uh, you know the filmmaker called victor kosakovsky who made yes. aquarella and uh, yeah. uh, antipodas and so on and actually ben our german dp shoots a lot of victor kosakovsky's films so he okay. shot aquarella and so on and okay. um, he uh, like i sort of reached out to him because i wanted to you know dip my toes in that holy kernel of uh, cinematographic practice and that's mm-hmm. how it began then so i can't recommend enough a film called vivanla antipodas which is an incredible and to my mind i'm going to completely fanboy on this now the best short documentary that i've seen wow and what was that then called I, again antipodas vivanla's antipodas okay Vic, right. by victor kosakos the um second um, i was also very inspired by editing was very inspired by this person called gianfranco rossi um and i loved the editing style of films like sacrogiari or notturno and so on um and similar to that was a f- uh, this film called truffle hunters that had come out and in fact mm. our editor shandish bengson was also the editor of truffle hunters so the structural oh, right? logic of that film was very interesting because it's not a regular linear kind of a story and right. that's also something that i was very drawn to and lastly i've i'm interested in this kind of hybrid form that a film director like roberto minervini does mm. which is sort of like it has the outer container of a being a documentary but it takes in uses the toys of fiction to tell something that is very grounded in the real and empirical world so that's very interesting to me as well okay well and i and i and I appreciate that and i stand corrected i will ask more of our filmmakers there uh their inspirations uh, for their films. I mean, a lot of people, I've, I've seen some reviewers have really, and I, I second this, um, also highlight uh, the score and the music and this, this, the sound work that went in. Did, uh, how did, uh, is, is his name Roger Gula that uh, yeah. got involved? Yeah, Roger Gula is a, a composer based in London. And my our main sort of thing was that firstly, we wanted to have a surprising kind of choice of music, so not too much strings. but it, i thought it had to be like a kind of fairy tale at first where when we were talking about the brothers um kind of uh, ravenous relationship with the kite and it had to emerge as this kind of a childhood fairy tale aura thing of whether kite was a wondrous otherworldly magical being but at the same time it had to eventually progress into a fairy tale gone dark so we used a lot of distortion and in the distortion used a lot of diegetic sounds of the kites and talons and feathers and so on so that was largely how we were thinking yeah no it's uh, well it's it all comes to together so well and it's so 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 beautifully done um i mean you're relative this is only your second feature um if i believe uh if i believe wikipedia you're doing a you're still a student in a way you're well we're all students i guess but you're a phd student i no, think no um is that no, wrong I, no it's wrong it's really infuriating and I, it's like I can't I can't seem to figure uh, how to edit wikipedia <laughs> because I finished my phd 2 years ago okay. and everybody comes up to me and you know the, the the difference between somebody who's doing a phd and somebody who's done with a phd is truly truly incredible in the life so 
i am very much firmly and happily in the post phd life and i want to um, announce that uh, unambiguously um so no i'm done i'm i've been done with the phd for a while and uh, yeah and of course that was like profoundly impactful in terms of thinking of the film and so on so um uh, but just to clarify I'm, i'm done okay so now that you're done um uh... What is I mean what is next for you? How are you going to how are you going to top this? Well, I'm not going to say how are you going to top this. What are you going to do next? Um in terms of I think I'm interested in uh, I think I'm interested in the world of the planetary still and I think the main wheelhouse of things that I'd stay in would be the ecological sublime. But above and beyond that I don't know yet. Maybe fiction is the form, but um something to do with issues of and I want to zoom out further and um and think through a kind of geological lens but largely the ecological sublime the planetary you know continent shifting mm-hmm. uh but you'll only get these kinds of vague platitudes from me right now because i'm still marinating in things that i'm reading and i don't know what it will next yeah but okay i think that's uh i mean that's a, um that's I, i can appreciate that and you're probably still just enjoying what uh what all that breathes is is bringing your way uh, uh uh for the moment but i think i mean as you were saying you stick with the planetary i mean uh and i i really what struck with me what resonated with me was your comments earlier about this sort of dichotomy either people tend to go sort of um over sentimentalized or or yeah that's not the word you used but you used a better word than i i'm coming up with now or you have your doom and gloom um merchants when it comes to these sort of things i mean are you hope i mean but personally are you hopeful do you think i mean you're see you you've you've lived in delhi you see you've you've obviously a uh citizen of the world you see what's happening i mean what do, do you uh are you a hopeful person about what's going to happen with with our with our environment um i, I think it's um uh, there's it's impossible to have any kind of simple minded um hope that is vanilla and milk toast um all hope of course has to be tempered by so i have a kind of guarded um cautious um optimism um let's call it optimism instead of hope right. um in right. the sense that because optimism is also a kind of agential um uh, position on the world so um but i also what else is there to do right like you have to uh, mm. what what is what is the counter side to it um so you are obviously very aware of what increasingly feels like the inevitability of um something genuinely um dark that is um uh, that seems to be in the offing but um uh, yeah i think i'm i'm hopeful i'm uh, i'm micro hopeful in Uh, the language of um, the brother's life which is right. these kind of smaller micro gestures that help so i'm i'm i i feel that these kinds of individual uh, things where everybody is mounting the ramparts in their own um, individual capacity is very important okay thanks well i think we'll uh, i think we'll leave it at that with leaving you the last word i i i i um want to thank you again so much uh, Shaunak for uh, coming on to the podcast and uh, discussing your your lovely film and I do encourage everyone to if, as, as soon as possible however you can find it uh, to go out and uh, and see this film it's uh, 
Uh, again, to remind you, we've been here with Sean Sen, director and producer of All That Breathes, premiered at Sundance. It's having its theatrical release here in the UK uh, on October 14th, also releasing in theaters in New York and LA at the end of the month. And for those of you who can't get to any of those theaters or cinemas, do, um, well, hopefully you don't have to wait till 2023, but it will be streaming on HBO. So, uh, Shanak, again, thank you so much. Uh, we'd love to have you back on when you you do your next max masterpiece. So, uh, um, hopefully that's not thank too you. far in the, very, in the future. Thank you. This is very enjoyable. Um, and uh, thank you for having me on. Well, thank you, and thanks for everyone who helped make, make it happen. And finally, a big thanks to our listeners. As always, we love to hear from you, so please keep sending us feedback and episode ideas. You can reach out to us on YouTube, social media, or directly by going to our website, www.factualamerica.com, and clicking on the Get In Touch link. And as always, please remember to like us and share us with your friends and family, wherever you happen to listen or watch podcasts. This is Factual America, signing off. You've been listening to Factual America. This podcast is produced by Almo Pictures, specializing in documentaries, television, and shorts about the USA for international audiences. Head on down to the show notes for more information about today's episode, our guests, and the team behind the podcast. Subscribe to our mailing list or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Alamo Pictures. Be the first to hear about new productions, festivals showing our films, and to connect with our team. Our homepage is alamopictures.co.uk.